This teaching comes to you from the team at St. Mark's, Darling Point, Sydney. We hope that it blesses you. The first reading this morning is from Luke, chapter 2, verses 25 to 35. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. This man was righteous and devout, looking forward to the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit rested on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Guided by the Spirit, Simeon came into the temple And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what was customary under the law, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Master, now you are dismissing your servant in peace, according to your word, for my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light for the revelation to the Gentiles and for the glory to your people Israel. And the child's father and mother were amazed at what was being said about him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to his mother Mary, This child is destined for the falling and the rising of many in Israel, and to be a sign that will be opposed, so that the inner thoughts of many will be revealed, and a sword will pierce your own soul too. Hear the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Good morning. Our second reading is from Psalm 100. Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come into his presence with singing. Know that the Lord is God. It is he that made us, and we are his. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him. Bless his name. For the Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever, and his faithfulness to all generations. Hear the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, let's pray as we come to look at God's word. Blessed Lord, who caused all the scriptures to be written for our learning, grant us so to hear them, read, mark, learn, and inwardly digest them, that by patience and comfort of your holy word we may embrace and ever hold fast blessed hope of everlasting life which you have given us in our Saviour Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, good morning. It's great to see you. Now, uh, the, or the outline of what I'm going to say is on uh, this uh, outline, which you may have received, I hope, during uh, your entry into the church. And we're going to begin by talking about faithfulness, the dependence we have on faithfulness, and yet the fragility of human faithfulness. To live as human beings, we depend on the faithfulness of others, just as others depend on our faithfulness. It's the essential glue that binds all our relationships together. We need to know if other people are consistent and reliable, and other people need to know it from us. We need trust. Making promises and trusting in the promises of others, spoken and unspoken, is the only way that we can together as a human race, as human communities, families, societies and individuals face the future. The great philosopher Hannah Arendt once said, promises are a uniquely human way of ordering the future, making it predictable and reliable to the extent that this is humanly possible. 
We trust, for example, that the laws that govern us will be upheld. We trust our business partners and employees. We trust the government. We trust the universities. We trust our banks. We trust the medical profession. We trust our friends. We trust our spouses. We trust our families. And yet, we now live in a world in which we are more suspicious and less trusting because we feel that even the great institutions and leaders, and I sadly include the churches in this too, have betrayed our trust. They have not been faithful with what has been given to them, with the things with which they have been entrusted. They have not repaid the faith we've put in them in kind, and so we are less inclined to be faithful to them. Uh, so sociologists will point to the loss of trust in the great institutions of our society that has been a marked change in our society in the last 50 or 60 years or so. But this may be a more personal story for you too. You may have experienced in your life a great betrayal, someone who should have been a model of faithfulness to you, who's let you down, the mentor, the parent, or the partner, or maybe... You've been the betrayer yourself. Perhaps you've been faithless. Perhaps when you should have been faithful. The wandering spouse, the absent parent, the lying friend, the deceptive and manipulating boss. Our gut feeling now is that the only one worth trusting is ourselves. To thyself be true is our mantra. I mean, who else can you trust ultimately if you can't trust anyone? But herein, uh, herein also is a problem because even this is not really comforting if we think about it for a little self-analysis of um, our psyches, of our behaviour, will tell us how little we can even trust ourselves to keep to our own standards, to what we know is good. This then is the problem, the dilemma of faithfulness. We need it to face the future and yet humans, it's so very fragile. But what of God? Well, the Bible tells us some extremely important things about his faithfulness. The Bible, first of all, repeatedly affirms that God does not change. He is eternal. He is not affected by, by the acids of time. He is constant wherever you meet him, whenever you meet him. He does not grow as we do. He has no childhood or adolescence, no midlife crisis, no old age. We cannot say, and we do not need to say, oh God, he's going through a phase, you know, or he's in one of his moods, he'll get over it. He is the everlasting God, from everlasting to everlasting. In Psalm 102 we read, long ago, God, you've laid the foundation of the earth and the heavens are the works of your hands. They will perish, but you will endure. They will all wear out like a garment. You change them like clothing and they pass away. But you are the same and your years have no end. Oh, the sandstone on which this city sits, it crumbles, looks solid year by year, but as the years pass, it Melts away, does it not? But what about God? He is solid. He does not melt. He does not change. And so the psalm says, the children of your servants will live secure. Their offspring will be established in your presence. 
Jim Packer quotes the old hymn, a hymn we often sing at funerals, actually. We blossom and flourish as leaves on the tree and wither and perish. And when we sing that, sometimes I I go to a lot of funerals and, and I wonder if this is a harsh truth, pointing out our mortality, our frailty, how short the space of a human life is, how we can be taken away in an instant. I wonder if this is too brutal, but... The verse goes on, but naught changeth thee. We change, but God is unchanging in his life and in his character. And this is not a brutal truth, but a deeply reassuring one. The God of the Bible is the very same God that we can meet today in a world of constant change. In a world where nothing seems the same, minute by minute it seems. A world obsessed by and stressed by the new. The everlasting God is the safe still point, the shelter under which we can huddle. Mid the world's despair and turmoil, one firm anchor holding fast, God eternal reigns forever, God the first and God the last. But God does not simply have the property of always being the same. He is also faithful. He is actively committed to his own promises. The Old Testament is full of the testimony to God's faithfulness. It's just throughout the Old Testament. And I've got a couple of examples. I only had one of those read out for us today from Psalm 100, where we heard, For the Lord is good, his steadfast love endures forever, his faithfulness to all generations. But Psalm 36, for example, says, Your steadfast love, O Lord, extends to the heavens, your faithfulness to the clouds. And these are just two of many, many examples. In the book of Lamentations, which is written amidst the devastation of exile from the rubble of Jerusalem, the great message of hope for the future is the steadfast love of God. We hear this, the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. These songs are reflecting what Israel knew from her long experience, her history, that God is utterly faithful to them as his people. Oh, this, was not, this was not cheaply won. This was not simply an assertion, but their real experience. God had kept his promises that he'd made to Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and then to Moses. He'd promised Sarah a baby and she gave birth to Isaac. He promised the Hebrews a land, though they were a slave nation and unimpressive in every way, and he gave them the land of Canaan. He was not fickle with them or forgetful of them. He was not two-minded. There's no two-mindedness or double-dealing with God. He lived with them as their God, and they were his treasured possession, his special people, his partners in his covenant. He promised to them, and they were to trust him and obey him. But how did they, in fact, respond to God's faithfulness? Did they keep his covenant? Well, we know all too well the story of their repeated spiritual adultery. One of the great images for God and his faithfulness in the Old Testament is God as the faithful husband, who is unlike, who is faithful beyond any human spouse in his faithful commitment to his his partner, Israel, his people. But they committed spiritual adultery. They worshipped other gods. 
They went through the motions of lavish worship in the temple, but they trampled on the poor and the vulnerable. They ignored the calls of justice. And that led in time to a national disaster. Though God gave them many opportunities to repent and turn, their country was destroyed, their people enslaved. Well, did this mean that God had been faithless? Had he forgotten them? Well, that could have been one way of seeing it. We're in a mess because God's betrayed us. God's clearly now favoring some other nation, the Babylonians or the Assyrians or someone else. When things go badly for us, we might be tempted to think like that too. If we say when things go well, God is faithful, then when things go badly, do we say, well, God's broken his promises? Why haven't I been spared this pain if God is so faithful? But although this is a natural response for us, it's a very primitive and nearsighted spirituality. Especially when we hear the songs that the prophets of Israel sang from the ashes and the rubble. Great is your faithfulness. Great is your faithfulness. There is no shadow of turning with you. God's faithfulness to Israel as their covenant partner meant speaking to them the truth of their faithlessness. It was not faithless that he spoke to them in this way, that he held them accountable in this way. He does not let them make a joke of him. But that's not the end of his faithfulness because God finds a way to keep his promises despite the unreliability of his people. And that's why the Bible story told over those many centuries vectors in towards the cross of Jesus Christ. The genius of the cross, God's genius in that, is that he simultaneously proves true to his promises and also just. He shows there that he does not ignore our sin, but in his faithful, steadfast love for us, because Jesus bears the punishment that we deserved, he justifies us. He makes it possible for us to be once more in relationship with God. He keeps his side of the bargain, and in Jesus he keeps our side of the bargain as well. As Paul in Romans chapter 3 says, What if some were unfaithful? Will their faithlessness nullify the faithfulness of God? By no means. Although everyone is a liar, let God be proved true. Even the faithlessness of human beings is not an obstacle to God in his faithfulness his commitment to the promises that he has made, his truth to his own words. While we were still sinners, Christ died for the ungodly. We were un inconstant, unreliable and faithless. But God is utterly faithful. And so from the midst of your own personal rubble, you can look to the cross and know that God is true. When your money is gone, your body is turning against you, when you're a nobody, when your friends and your family have betrayed you, when even the church has betrayed and disappointed you, know this, God is faithful to you in Jesus Christ. But even more profoundly, know this, when you've been faithless and when you've been disobedient and when you've made a mess of your relationships, You've really stuffed it up when you can look back at your life and see all the regrets shouting at you and when you're only too aware of your failings, 
God is faithful to you in Jesus Christ. God will not abandon you, not even in your sin as you turn to him. He says no to your sin, but just as surely he says yes to you. Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Jesus' story of the prodigal son is the best illustration of this deep reality. The boy showed complete contempt for his father. He wanted the proceeds of the will before his father was even dead. And he squandered all he had in wild living, dishonouring his father. And yet, when he returned home in sorrow, expecting only to be treated like one of the servants, his father was waiting for him with open arms. Such is the nature of God in his faithfulness. So how are we to respond to God's faithfulness? The God we meet in the pages of the Bible is the same God we meet today. Though the Bible is old and its human characters live lives very remote from ours, the God of the Bible is the same now as then, still faithful to his word, still true. Some people say, oh, look, the Bible is such an out-of-date book. I mean, it, it deals with people who are living, you know, they, they, were, they were living before plastic. You know, they, what did they know? They didn't have the internet. How could they possibly have lived or understood anything about the world without supermarkets? And yet, the point is not that. The point is that God has not changed, that God is very much our contemporary. The God of the Bible is very much the God we meet Today, the God we can know, he is the same one. More than that, he is still faithful to his word, still true. And so if God is faithful, we need to have faith in him. That's the appropriate response to trustworthiness, to faithfulness, is to have faith in it, to believe in it. If God is trustworthy, then you can trust him. If God is credible, then you can believe in him. You can turn to God above all as the one in whom you can trust. The cross of Jesus Christ and his resurrection is the proof in particular that we need to look at for his trustfulness, his reliability. He's reliable not in some mechanistic sense, but because his love for his people is constant. God then is the rug that will never be pulled from under your feet, the rock on which it is wise to build. In America, they've inscribed it on the coins, but we should write it on our hearts, or the suggestion for a tattoo, if you're thinking of getting one. In God, we trust. But we also learn from God how to have faithfulness. We learn to have his faithfulness in return to him, response to him, and also to have faithfulness in our relationships with others. So first of all, we do need to be faithful to God. How else should we respond to the great faithfulness that God has shown to us in Jesus Christ? In Christ, God shows himself to be absolutely wholehearted about us. So how could we be half-hearted about him? Now, if you are baptised as an adult or confirmed you were asked this question. If you were baptised as a baby, your godparents were asked this, this question. This is the question. Will you, with God's help, strive to keep his holy will and commandments and serve him faithfully throughout your life? And you promised, or it was promised for you. And 
what does that promise look like for you now in your life? What shape does keeping that promise look? Serving God faithfully throughout your life, striving to keep his holy will and commandments. In sometimes and places, being faithful to God means owning the name of Jesus Christ when it will cost you to do it. The challenge may be direct. It may be people will say, disown Christ or we will destroy you. That's what our brothers and sisters in the Middle East, in North and West Africa and, other, and in other places across the globe face. That's what they are facing right now. Will you be faithful to God or will you deny him? For us here this morning, the challenge of faithfulness is no doubt different. Will you be faithful to God when you are challenged to disobey him or to sell him short? Now I see all kinds of marvellous evidence of faithfulness to God here in our community. There are people who courageously but graciously stand for Jesus. There are people who make inconvenient choices because it honours God even when they work perhaps in places or live in families that are not very pro-Christian. There are people who serve God faithfully year in and year out. For example, teaching scripture, SRE we call it, at Double Bay Primary School, public school, or serving us morning tea or driving people to church or just in quiet acts of service of other Christians, just in being present week after week. There are people who humbly seek to know more and more of God's wisdom. Well, what's it going to mean for you to be faithful to God right now? Where do you have a chance to return God's kind trustworthiness to you with loyalty to him? But also, be a faithful person in your relationships. People who know the faithfulness of God should be known for their faithfulness. We know this faith, the divine faithfulness, and it should just be stamped upon us. That should be us. Trustworthiness, after all, is the glue of families and communities and societies, nations. Trustworthiness builds security for others, and it enables love to grow and people to flourish. The theologian Lewis Smead's American theologian, once said this, and I love it. Some people, he says, still still make promises and keep those they make. Who knew? When they, do, when they do, they make life around them more stably human. When you keep promises, you make, when you are faithful, you keep life, you make life around you more stably human. So be that person, just as God is our security, our shelter, our safe stronghold. Be that as you can as a human being for others too. If you are married, be faithful to the promises you made on your wedding day. Will you love him or her, comfort her, honour and protect her or him and forsaking all others? Be faithful to that one so long as you both shall live. What are you doing to live out these promises? to develop wholehearted love, singular and faithful love for your spouse and to protect it. As a brother or sister, as a parent or child, are you a rock of trustworthiness? Can people count on you? As a friend, are you a very present help in time of trouble? Or do you vanish when there's nothing to be gained? Likewise, in your financial or business dealings, 
Are you known for your integrity? Do you pay reliably? Are you trustworthy with your possessions, with the things people have entrusted you with? Now, it can be very difficult to be a faithful to be faithful to a person or with a person who is faithless. This is one of the most difficult things in human experience, really. What about when a person is a habitual liar or inconstant or deeply unreliable in some way? How can we be faithful in that context? I think we can take God himself as our model of faithfulness. He does not give up on Israel, but he does not ignore their bad behavior either. Being faithful to a person may mean saying no to them. It may be entirely consistent with faithfulness as a friend, spouse, or family member, to hand them over to the consequences of their actions. But as we endeavour in our weakness, in our human frailty, to be trustworthy and true, we are surrounded and secured by the faithfulness of the Lord, our shelter, our anchor, the rock, the Lord whose faithfulness is great, and of whom... We're now about to sing, there is no shadow of turning with thee. All I, have, all I have needed, your hand has provided. Great is your faithfulness, Lord God, to me. Amen. Thanks for listening. Please visit our website at www.stmarksdp.org to subscribe to our new episodes, browse more resources and find more information about the community of St Mark's.